Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, Sergio. Hello, Crit. How are you? I'm tired. <laughs> You're sick and tired of being sick and, sick and tired. tired. Being sick and tired. But that's okay, because here we are on the Dungeon Dragons Lorecast. I'm your host, the Almighty Crit. And joining me is my fellow host, Sergio. Hello. Greetings and salutations. From the land of Ravenloft. From the land, from the dark land, misty land of Barovia. Boo. So, Sergio, speaking yep. of Ravenloft, <clears throat> I think we're going to talk about somebody very special today from Ravenloft, aren't we? Uh, the, ent- the entire Ravenloft saga, like mythos lore, is rife with interesting characters. Uh, the least of which is, in, you know, obviously, uh, Strahd himself. However, you know, for every for every Sherlock Holmes, there has to be a Moriarty. For every Bart Simpson, there has to be a Principal Skinner. <laughs> you know, like the, every yin needs its yang. That is a very, I'm sorry, but that is a very exact reference. Well, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a, an illusion. It's a reference to a line that uh, Lisa tells Bart about himself, about his relationship, the dynamic he has with Principal Skinner. She <laughs> says, like, you know, you're like Sherlock Holmes and uh, Moriarty. It's like even Lee, even Maggie has that baby with the one eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> Why is it this podcast always gets referenced to the Simpsons? <laughs> that's like 90% of my, my, my brain. Oh it's my like gosh. my brain is like D&D knowledge, Simpsons references, and I love tacos. I love so really the only three things that are going through my mind at any given point. Well, with that being said, who are we talking about today? We are talking about Dr. Rudolph Van Richten. Ah, oh, yes. The good doctor. The famous monster hunter of Barovia. Obviously, uh, inspiration drawn. Uh, uh, from Abraham Van Helsing of Bram Stoker's Dracula. So that sort of same dynamic that Van Helsing had with Dracula, uh, um, Van Richten has with Strahd. You know, it's their, their arch enemies, their, their foes, they're, you know, they're, they're locked in this eternal battle between good and evil. However, you know, Van Richten's legendary monster hunting career does not start with Strahd. It predates Strahd and has it's it's wild and hairy. I get when we planned out the you know the the episodes for this series, we decided to do an entire episode on Van Richten and I was worried that there wouldn't be enough lore on on the good doctor. How mistaken I was there is plenty and it is good. It is some juicy stuff. 
I told you. You said, I don't know if there's going to be enough content to talk about Ravenloft for a couple episodes. Well, I uh, knew that I mm. knew that there was enough content as a whole. <laughs> I didn't know that there would be enough. I knew that there would be enough for Strahd, for Strahd himself, for sure. And then, you know, then depending on how we broke the episodes up, I didn't know that there would be enough just on Van Richten. Uh, but no, like uh, in my research, I uncovered quite the treasure trove of D&D lore. So without further ado, let's dive into Dr. Rudolph Van Richten. And uh, let's start at the beginning where all good stories start. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night in Darkon. Uh, no, just I mean, the the good doctor has his beginnings as inauspicious as anyone else's. You know, he's he's born to a loving father and mother in Darkon for sure um, and grew up a normal childhood. Um, he believed it was his destiny to heal people, to treat sickness and so naturally that led to a career as a doctor. Um, so he becomes uh, a physician. Uh, and however, fate had something else in store for him. He thought his fate was just to be a doctor and, and lead a life not unlike uh, what the one that he grew up in. You know, uh, loving father and mother, you know, children running around. However, that was not to be his fate. That was not to be his destiny. Uh, the fates decided on something else entirely different. And now instead of uh, just a sort of nameless, faceless doctor in the, in the uh, annals of, of Darko, Darkonian history, he is now widely regarded as the greatest monster, monster hunter of all time. <laughs> Can you just imagine going from a doctor of healing medicine to literally a monster murderer? <laughs> Like I, I was going to prescribe people um, like amoxicillin, but instead I'm shoving wooden stakes through vampires' chests. Mm -mm. We have to use doctor terms. I'm prescribing an A instrument pierced through the chest, <laughs> through the to the chest cavity. Um, so, how does he begin his career? Like, how? Like, what? Where is the turn? Like, what pivotal moment? turns this good doctor into a monster hunter. Well, it occurs when his 14-year-old son, Erasmus Van Richten, is kidnapped by the Rodanovich family. It's a clan of Vistanis. Uh, and, then was sub and then is subsequently sold to vampire Baron Metis. So Baron Metis, a quick little bio on him. He is born, he is an illegitimate child of a noble on an... It says just another world, so another plane. So he is, he's a bastard, essentially. Uh, so he is denied the power and privilege that would come to a, to a son, to an heir of a, of a noble. Um, and so he resolved to adopt the manners and style of a nobleman, regardless, to show that legitimacy and a noble heart do not always go hand in hand. So at 17, he falls in love with a young woman named Andriana, who is actually a Vistani from Ravenloft, who had somehow uh, uh, gone into the plane that, that Baron Metis is originally from. She eventually finds her way back to her people and to Ravenloft and sort of accidentally 
Baron Metis is drawn along with her to the domain of dread. And so once they get back, once they're in Ravenloft, obviously Andriana is where she belongs. Baron Metis is a fish out of water. Um, so he's thinking like, okay, well, we can still make, maybe make it work. Andriana not having any of that, you know, <laughs> uh, kicks Metis to the side, believing he's just common trash. Now, you know, he's not, he's claiming to be a, a, a noble son, but he's, he's got nothing to his name essentially. Uh, and she really turns the screws by telling her Vistani family that Metis actually imprisoned her on this other plane, which is why she was gone. You know, so they they get riled up and they want to, you know, brutalize him in in typical, you know, if someone, if a family member tells you that some dude kidnapped her, you're going to, you know, want to do something to him. Uh, And so Metis flees to avoid their wrath. He comes across a member of the Kargat, which were sort of the secret police force in Darkon. And this Kargat member uh, says, like, hey, I'll protect you. Like, don't worry about the Vistani. I've got you. What he really did was turn him into a vampire. <laughs> so Baron Metis, born the Ill- Ill- illegitimate son of a, ba- of a noble, uh, falls in love with the wrong girl and ends up becoming a vampire. Ain't that always the story? The story is old as time. <laughs> girl meets boy. Boy turns girl into vampire. Vampire turns other people into vampire. It's all the same thing, right? <laughs> all the same. It's, it's happened to any number of us. Um, so eventually this, uh, the, the member of the car got that turns Metis into a vampire is eventually destroyed himself. So Metis kind of takes over, uh, operation essentially takes over the, the house that he was staying in the, the manor, the, whatever it may be, uh, and then begins to seek out his own companionship, which is what brings us to Erasmus. So Erasmus is, um, like I said, the son of Van Richten. Uh, what was happened was he was kidnapped by the Rodanovich family, sold to Erasmus. And while uh, Erasmus is there, his father's tracking him down, trying to find out where he is. He finally tracks him down to Metis's manor. And he is turned away by Metis's minions. He's like, you know, like, get out of here. Like, basically, like, you know, like Uncle Phil and DJ Jazzy Jeff, like, rah, throws him out on the front store, <laughs> on the front uh, porch. Uh, so Rudolph, determined to, like, you know, save his son, is camped outside, still hoping to save uh, Erasmus. That evening, Erasmus sneaks out of Metis's manor and meets his father. Being a man of medicine, obviously, Rudolph. Can, like can see all the telltale signs of death in his son. Like he is physically dead, but somehow still living. So Erasmus tells his father he could still he still feels human, but he can he can feel a, a darkness of sorts starting to overtake him. And then that's when he reveals a wooden stake and begs his father to kill him and spare him from becoming a monster. And this is Van Richten's own words that I'm quoting here. It says, for several hours, as the moon sank toward the distant horizon, we talked. We relived together the joyous times we had shared, the poignant memories. We cried together. And then, as a harbinger of dawn tinted pink the sky, Erasmus Van Richten lay himself down upon the bosom of the meadow and wordlessly handed me the stake and the mallet. Our gazes met for one last time. Then he closed his eyes and composed himself as if for sleep. 
I positioned the point of the stake over my son's heart and brought down the mallet. With each blow, the agony in my heart could have been no greater if the stake had been sinking into my own breast. When it was done, I lay beside the body of my son and wept again. I wept until the first rays of the sun touched his young body and reduced it to ash. So heavy, <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy. So Van Richten oh. is forced to kill his own son. I mean, his son is, you know, technically dead already, but it doesn't, you know, in, in the emotions, the emotion of the time, it doesn't make any difference to Rudolph. You know, it, he's still having to bring an end to his son. Well, and you, so, you also got to think in this moment that though he may be physically dead, he's not mentally or emotionally dead. You know, it's still his son in there. It's exactly. Just, he's he's becoming tainted and controlled by this darkness. And I, I, I couldn't imagine the pain that he went through in that moment. I mean, I could, but I don't want to because it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible things. Um, so Meta is obviously very angry about this turn of events, um, seeks out Ingrid, Rudolph's wife and Erasmus's mother, and, uh, is able to get to the Van Richten house before Rudolph himself and kills Ingrid and leaves her body for, along with a note stating that matters were quote now in balance. Uh, since Rudolph took something which mattered to Metis, Metis would take something which mattered to Rudolph, which, you know, doesn't make any sense to me. But then again, I'm not a psychopathic vampire. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, pretty sure you already took the guy's son. I don't know what else you want from him. Jeez, vampires are dicks. And so, um, so it was at this moment that Van Richten decided to use his ability to rid a body of disease or poison and instead use that ability to rid society of the disease of monsters and the poison of evil. Uh, and of course, Baron Metis was the first to fall to the soon-to-be legendary Rudolph Van Richten. So Metis turns his son into a vampire. Is Then Rudolph is forced to then kill his son and then Metis kills his wife in retaliation for that. So that's essentially the origin story of Rudolph Van Richten. But there's still more. I mean, like we, you know, we'll we'll come back from the break and we'll talk about, you know, why was Erasmus kidnapped in the first place? You know, why, you know, how did this even start? And like what happened on the trip to Metis's manor? Like what, you know, what is uh you know what what happened, you know, what, how did the Radanovich, Radanovich's clan play into this? Um, but yeah, Rudolf Van Richten is, uh, he's, I mean, he's like, he looks like a typical, like, you know, elderly doctor. Like you wouldn't think him to be anything beyond that based on his, uh, on his appearance. And, but he through sheer will and vengeance, he has become the greatest monster hunter that Dungeons and Dragons knows. Oh, and this is just the beginning of the heavy. I, I just want to let everybody know this is just the beginning of the heavy. I feel for Van Richten. I ah. Anyway, all right. 
Well, let's go ahead and cut to our mid-break, and we'll come back to more Van Richten after. So much Van Richten, Sergio. It's a lot of Van Richten. <laughs> well, Sergio, here we are in the middle of the show. It's very <laughs> text says it's feeling very mid- a bit middly. It's very it's it's a little tight, a little bit middly, yeah, a little bit middly. So, as always, Sergio, in the middle of the show, I love to so thank our patrons. Absolutely, let's go ahead and thank each and every one of them. Uh, there's Husky, Coffee Husky, there is Daniel P, there's Wolf the Sheepdog, there's Lupus, uh, Jonathan S, Tex Tinstar, Remington Cloutier, and our newest patron, uh, Jaco H. Uh, thank you all so much for, um, for supporting the show in a financial manner. If you are interested in doing that, you can go to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast, uh, as low anywhere from $5 a month up to a hundred. They all have their own unique uh, benefits and perks. You get um, early episodes, you get ad-free episodes, uh, bonus episodes, painted minis, t-shirts, like merchandise, like all sorts of cool stuff. BT Dub, the merch t-shirts have finally arrived. We got them. We're going to send them out this week. So you should be getting to you hopefully within the next week or two. Finally got them. They're here. I, I just got done checking them out, pre-approving them to make sure they were all copacetic, and they are ready to be shipped. So, t-shirts are coming! <laughs> yeah, like I said, like depending on what tier you're on, you get all sorts of cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If you are in a position where you're not able to support the show in that manner, just listening is enough. You know, recommend it to a friend. Leave a review on uh, either Apple Podcasts or Spotify wherever it is that you listen to the show um, and, you know, try to just spread the word and, and have people, uh, more people that listen, the the happier we get, the happier we get, the stronger we get. Well, that's, it's very intense of you. What's well, the truth. I, the, the happier I am, the it's like, I'm like the opposite of the Hulk, you know, the angry he gets, the stronger he gets, like the happier I get, the stronger I get. <laughs> well, I actually brought something this week and it's not a mini not a mini you ready for this i think so so i scoured the internet for a little while because i was like i'm tired of not bringing anything because they aren't bringing out minis so i scoured the internet for something fun you know i took some inspiration from uh some of the other lore casts we do where we talk about merch that you can get around the you know around the internet and i found some cool t-shirts on redbubble okay and i am posting the link in our uh twitch stream right now and I'm going to bring it up on the Twitch stream as well. So we have some Visit Barovia t-shirts. And these are pretty cool. I like these. So you get like a little, you know, Castle Ravenloft in the background. And you get a little Very bit cool. of Barovia in the front. And it just says Visit Barovia. And there's bats flying in the background. I thought it was cool. I was like, I want one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I've seen that one. I've also seen the um, "It's Never Sunny in Barovia" T-shirts, which <laughs> that, was, uh, also, that was the one I almost picked out, but I was like, eh, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, those are really cool. Like any, I mean, uh, at this point, to me, like D and D shirts are like band T-shirts. 
Like, you know, back when I was a teenager, I would see someone wearing a t-shirt like of a band that, you know, like that wasn't super popular, but, you know, was like underground of sorts, you know, me growing up as like a punk rock kid. Um, and so I'd be like, oh, that's a that's a cool dude. Like, I want to go talk to that guy because I like a shirt. Like, hey, what's up? Oh, well, we should be friends. What's, what's up? You like the Misfits? I like the Misfits, too. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like, well, you like the get up kids? Awesome. I, know, uh, I, I just Misfits is the first one. I came to head. <laughs> I've literally never heard any of their songs. I'm a terrible person. Uh, I know. <laughs> and so well, that explains a lot about you. Ah. Um, but like now it's like I, I feel like it's like D&D like shirts. If I see someone in a D&D shirt, which I have, I'd be like, hey, man, that's a cool shirt. Or like, um, like I went, uh, I went to Kansas City a couple of weeks ago, and the dude in the airport uh, coffee shop had a D and D lanyard, and I was like, "Hey man, I like your lanyard." He's like, "Oh, thanks." I'm like, "What are you playing right now?" He's like, "Oh, I forgot exactly what he what he was now, but uh, yeah, we like nerded out." And I was there with one of my buddies that's in the Curse of Strahd campaign that uh, we're uh, currently in. And we we're talking to him about our characters. So, I mean, that to me, like, if I see someone wearing a D&D shirt, like, I'm going to, like, compliment them and, you know, possibly make a new friend. So, everybody, in order to get Sergio's attention in public, you must be wearing D&D shirts. The only way. <laughs> Don't care any other way. No other way. Because you might be wearing a Misfit shirt, but you might be a poser. <laughs> you might be wearing a Legends of Zelda Lorecast hoodie, but you might be a poser. Uh, not me, sir. Not me. I would. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> oh, okay. That was gonna we say. Were, <laughs> we were talking about uh, we're talking about Crit's uh, hoodie in uh, in the pre-show and how I couldn't. I like as awesome as the design is, I couldn't wear that because I would feel like a poser because I played all of like four hours of Zelda. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. <sighs> well, you anyway, be the first. You would not be the first. <laughs> well, anyway, Sergio. What do you got for us from the uh, lovely, wonderful, amazing Dungeon Master's Guild this week? Well, I've got, as in keeping with our Ravenloft theme, I was, and there's there's plenty of great Ravenloft and Curse of Strahd adjacent material on the DMs Guild. You know, it definitely is something that uh, that D and D fans love and like love to create content around. Uh, what I'm going to suggest, and I'm going to post this in the chat now, and of course, everything that we suggest through the DMs Guild will be made available in the show notes, or you can visit the Discord, the Robots Radio Discord, and check out the uh, Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast channel for all of our suggestions. But this is Curse of Strahd, The Wedding at Ravenloft. It is a is it an adventure that you can plug into your Curse of Strahd campaign. Ooh. It's uh, made. It's by Wyatt Trull, triumphant in his centuries-long pursuit of his beloved Tatiana Strahd von Zarovich, cannot help but gloat. Wedding invitations have been sent out across Barovia, and all are expected to witness this unholy union. In his arrogance, he has invited the adventurers to his place of power to humiliate them one last time before draining Irina Koliana of her life's blood and damning her soul for eternity. So the Wedding at Ravenloft is a module designed for four ninth level adventurers as they enter the titanic conclusion to Curse of Strahd. It provides a framework, story, scripts, bows, toes, dramatic objections, trial by combat, and side, quests, <laughs> and side quests of the wedding between Strahd and Irina. It can be completed within five to seven hours and will finish off your Strahd, Curse of Strahd campaign either for either our heroes emerge triumphant or fall prey to the mists. 
Una Momento, go back. Trial by combat, you say? Trial by combat. Oh, we're bringing that back, huh? Oh, got you. <laughs> of course. And so uh, normally this is $4.95, but until March 13th, uh, DMs Guild is running a sale. It's the GM's Day sale. And this title has current, is currently marked down 30%. So if you buy it before March 13th, it's only going to cost you three forty-seven. See, I like the fact that they're doing these sales across the sites. I've already purchased so many things. <laughs> like I don't, I don't care. We're like it. They, we're getting it. They like they make up something like it's GM's Day. Let's celebrate Game Master. Like I don't any. Just you could say like uh, is this is this a holiday? Like let's make Sergio spend money day, <laughs> and you're good. You're going to put great content on sale. Like I'm going to end up buying it. I'm going to buy it. That's how this works. <laughs> well, Sergio, as always, you bring lovely things to us with the Dungeon Master's Corner. Uh, something else I'm going to have to spend more money on. Thanks. That does sound pretty cool, though, to, you know, to do the whole wedding aspect of it. Like, uh, just what a twist, you know, at the end. What a twist. What exactly. A twist. <laughs> yeah. It's very cool. Uh, right. Well... Shall we jump to the end of the show? Let's do it because we got we still got some stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like there's still some juicy details concerning the one Rudolph Van Richten. Well, let's get back to the end of the episode. Sergio. Yeah, sir. Here we are to discuss Van Richten at the end of the episode. Well, we've already discussed uh, exactly. We discussed, you know, the the, the sort of event, the the, the catalyst beginnings. But you know, it all started with his son being kidnapped. However, why was his son kidnapped? This wasn't this wasn't something random that happened. So, what you're telling me is. It was pre-planned. There, there was. This was the. This was. There was a cause and effect to this. This wasn't just random. This wasn't a random snatch and grab. I think I may know what you're referring to, but we'll find out. Let's see. Let's see. Do explain to me, sir. So, it all starts with Irene Radonovich. So, the leader of the Radonovich clan, Irene, believed her Taroka deck revealed a great reward would be bestowed upon them if they could deliver a companion to Baron Metis. So they attempted to kidnap uh, some unnamed Baron's daughter, you know, the names of which are lost to history. But this kidnapping attempt failed to the point of injuring Irene's own son, Radovan, to the point of near death. So he is... He is gravely and almost immortally wounded. And so to save his life, he is taken to a local doctor named Rudolph Van Richten. Richten. Yep. And as talented as this good doctor was, he is unable to save Radovan's life. Irene, of course, you know, having lost her son, is beside herself with grief and blames Van Richten for her son's death. Not this failed and botched kidnapping attempt where she essentially puts her son's life in danger, 
but the doctor who tried to save his son, uh, she blames him for his death and even goes as far as to accuse Van Richten of intentionally letting Radovan die. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I got, you know, I got things prob- to say. We'll wait. <laughs> uh, so she threatens to curse the doctor and in his panic, you know, tells her, like, look, you, I'm like, I'm very sorry I could not save your son's life. You could have anything of mine as penance to make it up to you. And so, like I said, in his panic, he says those words and he awakes the next day to find his only son gone. So she took that, have anything of yours. Well, you took my son. I'm going to take your son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She really did do him dirty. And so they're thinking they could still fulfill this, this um, supposed prophecy of providing uh, Metis with a companion by giving him Erasmus. So Rudolph wakes up the next morning, finds Erasmus gone, hits the trail to find them. And takes along Radovan's corpse because I'm guessing um, so that the Vistani could um, do whatever funeral rites is, you know, is appropriate for that culture. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, he felt it um, probably not wise just to leave the body there. Um, but he doesn't. He does, So he tracks them down, but he doesn't seem to care, though, that he really can't track them down because the Vistani have the unique ability to travel through the myths, the, the myths, the mists of Ravenloft. Still, uh, as he's trying to track them down, he eventually finds himself at the mercy of an undead horde controlled by none other than Azalin Rex, who we discussed in the first part of our series. Mm-hmm. Um Long story short on Aslan, if you want uh, more details on him, you can listen to our uh, last week's episode or two weeks ago, the first part of the Ravenloft series. And we'll probably also dig into him uh, in next week's episode when we discuss um, other like you know uh, other characters and settings and um, from Ravenloft. But he's the Dark Lord of Darkon. He essentially r- runs the Darkon domain of dread. Van Richten begs for his life and explains the situation to Azalin, who actually doesn't have, like, there's no love lost between himself and the Vistani. And so Azalin not only calls off his undead horde, but orders them to assist Van Richten in his search, as well as reanimating Radovan's corpse and commands a zombie to lead Van Richten through the mists, through the mists, and I can't say that word, through the mists, and to his uh, Vistani family. So you've got Van Richten, you know, panicked, grief-stricken, trying to find his kidnapped son, going through the mists. There you go, got it that time. Being led by a reanimated corpse and having a, you know, a squadron of undead following him. So upon arriving in Barovia and confronting Irene, Van Richten is told that not only has like, like we don't have your son, we sold him. So not only has his son been sold, but he's been sold to a vampire and he's become a vampire himself. Oh, 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 yes. So in return, Van Richten's like, okay, like that's my son's fate. Well, I got your son right here and reveals to Irene her zombie son. 
<laughs> it really do be like that sometimes. <laughs> it it be like that sometimes. Uh, so having you know, seeing her desecrated son in a rage, Irene Rodanovich curses the good doctor, and I quote: "I curse you, Rudolph Van Richten, with all the power I have to lay you low, live you always among monsters." and see everyone you love fall beneath their claws, starting with your son. And so, again, these are just two grief-stricken parents just spewing vile venom at each other. And Van Richten says, like, okay, you want to curse me? No, I curse you. So Van Richten curses them, curses the Rodanovich clan, to be hunted by the undead. Like, may you always be hunted by the undead before sicking zombie Radovan and the rest of Aslan Rex's undead horde on the clan. <laughs> and a bloodbath ensues. The entire Radanovich clan is killed, except for one who hides in one of the wagons. He remains hidden. And the entire, the rest of the clan is murdered by the undead horde. At some point, um Van Richten tries to call them off, but they there's there's no calling them them off. They're they're they they kill them all. They leave no one behind, like I said, except for the one boy that they don't find. And so uh you would think that that's okay, that's the end of the Radanoviches. Uh, but Irene eventually returns as a ghost, and her dead kin rise up as ghouls and zombies and they sort of like you know see they they wander barovia they wander the the mist seeking out van richten you know eventually um coming to his old home richten haas uh you know obviously which has been abandoned you know van richten is now a uh legendary you know, he's a monster hunter he's always on the road trying to kill the the next the next vampire the next werewolf whatever it may be uh so they find the house abandoned and they pretty much set up shop there in Richtenhaus. uh they grow in power and eventually this concentration of evil turns Richtenhaus into an island of terror which is a type of domain of dread so it's kind of like a mini domain of dread and irene is every domain of dread needs a dark lord and Irene becomes the Dark Lord of Richtenhaus. Oh. <laughs> this is some gnarly stuff. This is exactly what I thought you were talking about. Okay, so first thing I want to say here is two wrongs don't make a right, you two. Two uh, wrongs do not make a right. And there's so many wrongs. There's so multiple. Many. You know, Metis so turns, Erasmus is kidnapped. Uh, Metis turns him into a vampire. Erasmus uh, is sold to a vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Radanovich uh, gets reanimated into a zombie. Uh, they both curse each other. So much. There's so much wrong. There's hardly any right in this story. What I will say is this: this is this is what I wanted to get to, and that's why I waited till the end. What you're going to find as we delve into these domains of dread is that they are all crafted in a similar way to this. There is a tragic backstory. Someone gets the sh- the short straw, and they end up becoming the ruler of said, you know, domain. 
Right, right. So you're not going to find a single one that was just like, ah, oh, I became powerful and now I'm and, the ruler of this domain. Yeah, like I am powerful and I'm also like a nasty little booger. Like, no, yeah, there's no. like some gnarly, like yeah. wicked stuff going down. Yeah, you, 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 even the ones that you think are going to end that way, they don't. Like the, the aspects of storytelling for, and this is another reason. Now you're learning why I love Ravenloft so much. Uh, the aspects of storytelling for Ravenloft and its surrounding, you know, domains, fantastic. Absolutely, I'd say, in my opinion, some top tier horror. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's not even the end of it. So, mm-hmm. so Richtenhaus turns into this, dom- this, like, you know, small domain of dread, this island of terror with Irene Radanovich as its Dark Lord. And so from here, Irene is able to keep track on her old foe, uh, who at this point has grown old and has seen everyone around him die while he has continued to live, uh, unaware that this is the consequence, this is the result of the curse that Irene placed on him. And so once he's revealed this truth, he falls into a deep depression. And it's not until that young boy who hid in the wagons, now grown, finds Van Richten. Arturi Radanovich has also led a cursed existence because of the curse that Van Richten put on the Radanoviches. Like he says, like, you know, may you always be hunted by the undead. Well, for everyone else but him, for every other clan member but him, that hunt lasted all of, you know, a, a few minutes. Yeah. This has lasted his entire life. And so much like Van Richten, he has also led this cursed existence to always be hunted by undead. And it's not until he finds Van Richten and approaches him with the spirit of, uh, of reconciliation and forgiveness that they are both able to remove their curses. And so there's a little bit, there's a little bit of hope in there. However, you know, it doesn't last long. You know, at this point, you know, Van Richten feels like, okay, like I can finally rest at E. I can be at peace with myself. And so he's, he retires to, uh, to Mordenshire to run his own like little uh, herbalist shop, you know, as you see, he wants to kind of go back to his roots as a physician, as a, as a man of healing. However, Irene isn't done with him yet. And he, and she forces one final confrontation at Richtenhaus, which um, according to the events of the bleak house adventure, which uh, early it would actually uh, it's funny uh, Lupus posted um, a link to that to the to it in the DMs Guild earlier in the Discord, which like oh we're gonna I'm gonna talk about that a little bit. Uh, according to that, it's not exactly sure. Um, depending on what ending uh, you end up uh, having with that adventure, um, may, perhaps neither of them survived. Uh, perhaps Van Richten survives and stays at Richtenhaus to sort of, but uh, to keep Irene's ghost, who he wasn't able, like wasn't able to be vanquished entirely, but sort of keep uh, to keep the ghost in check. But that's kind of where Van Richten's story ends um, before he's sort of like revamped and and retconned for fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for I mean for. Fifth edition, very the the story is pretty much the same, except he doesn't cause the slaughter of the Radonovich clan. Um, and some some other changes are uh, Esmeralda de Avenir, 
appears as an NPC in Curse of Strahd and her backstory being that she was a member of the Vistani clan responsible for Erasmus's kidnapping, um, but um, eventually, you know, finds Van Richten to express remorse um, and, you know, sort of like plead forgiveness for, for her part in that. Uh, and then she eventually becomes a protege of his before they part ways. Um, that's because they part ways because in fifth edition, Van Richten does know the reality of his curse. And uh, as a result, he's kind of a loner and doesn't let people close to him. You know, he uh, he does know that the people around him will die uh, before he does. Like they mm-hmm. they'll, then they'll likely die because because they're around him because yeah. you know because the curse says like you know everyone you love may they fall uh, beneath the claws of of monsters. Um, and so Van Richten shows up in Barovia disguised as Rictavio a traveling half-bard elf and this he does this in disguise this is a you know ruse so he's he's trying to get gain uh information on strad in order to destroy him at a later date in time so he's definitely a player in fifth edition um but uh they kind of lean on his history in the previous editions um, without going too much into it they change they change a couple of things but more or less you know, his backstory remains the same. And like, and as we've been discussing for, for nearly the past hour, his backstory is pretty gnarly. <laughs> yes. And even with the small little changes they did, like it still doesn't take away from the gnarliness of the whole. No, know? like I said, like just about the only changes are like, he doesn't cause a slaughter of the Vistani clan and he does know the extent of his curse. So his son is still kidnapped. His son is still sold to a vampire. His son is still turned into a vampire. He's still forced to kill his son. And then in retaliation, uh, his wife is then also killed. So like all that still remains the same, which makes for one depressing AF origin story. So let me ask you this, because I haven't got all the way through the fifth edition history with Van Richten. I will be the first to admit. Does, do the Vastani still fall to the zombies? That I'm not sure of. It just like what I could find is that uh, that he wasn't responsible for their slaughter, and, and I couldn't figure out if um, if they're still slaughtered or uh, and he just isn't responsible for it, or if it just doesn't happen. Um, my guess see, would be that it doesn't happen. Well, see, we because we still know that's the problem I ran into. I couldn't find the exact war- information, but the warning itself to that leads me to believe that the family still gets, or the, you know, the uh, Vistani still gets slaughtered. Okay. It's just not his fault. Right. Because, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played Ravenloft and is planning to, uh, don't listen to the next, like, two minutes. In the beginning of the campaign, when you first get into the city, there's zombies everywhere. Right. And it's hinted at in the campaign notes that the zombies have been there and plaguing the land for a long time. Um, it's it's kind of like the hints there that the zombies are from the original altercation, you know, especially since you go to certain different locations and there's still the undead, and yeah. So, and I'm, Lupus brings up the good point in chat uh, that you know in second edition they do really you know, Arturi and Van Richten do help each other lift each other's curses, yeah. but. You know, we're not sure if that also applies to fifth edition. 
yeah, that's that's the kicker to it all. You know, I I kind of hope that this this is, sounds terrible, but I kind of hope for the story element of it and the fact that that the island is just so cool, like that that element of the you know that domain of dread is just so cool. I kind of hope that it still happened because that was just that was just a gnarly place or maybe not slaughter everyone but that's the end result because just you know the hatred and you know the disgust well, no yeah i mean that, that uh, the Stani of that time had for van richten maybe that kind of perpetuated them into this dark thought and dark process and lupus brings up that essentially in 5th edition the arturi character is you know is esmeralda yeah. is the arturi of 5th edition and yeah. so if if that's the case then they don't necessarily lift each other's curse but they're um um but it does but it doesn't have the same outcome. Yeah. Yeah. They they do they do end up getting together and you know becoming to you know coming to the amicable end. Right. And um, like I said like yeah you know, she eventually becomes a protege of his. Yep. But because he, because he knows the curse is still on him uh like he essentially like for more or less like runs her off like look i don't want to be the reason that you end up dying early exactly yeah it's you see that's the thing when you go back to try to retcon and i've noticed this and uh when doing homework for the legend of zelda series whenever you try to go back to retcon things it it misconstrues a lot of things and it leads to it leads to problems um it's it just convolutes things you know, it's not to say that we don't appreciate you coming and going and updating things, you know, to meet, you know, kind of current standards of things and things we do. It's just it leads to, you know, convoluted issues. So because I kind of like that domain. Give me give me somebody else then. give me somebody else to run that domain. <laughs> no, and, I mean, just like, yeah, the idea that um, that undead, like be it ghosts or zombies, mm-hmm. like can essentially um based just on their presence and that sort of uh that evil that surrounds them can like sort of focus that in one location yeah. and then turn the location itself into evil into an evil place it's it's very cool i like that hint hint listeners that are that are dms that's a that's a interesting thought if you want to have a horror aspect element you know, Absolutely. Maybe maybe there's a BBEG gathering the undead from the near regions to amass that evil energy to create their own domain of dread. You know, there's some thoughts. There's some thoughts there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, do we have any more info on Ven Richten we want to spill at this moment? There, I mean, like I said, like uh, I was surprised at how deep this goes. You know, um, and he's responsible for uh, all sorts of guides. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like fifth edition guide to Ravenloft, but in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, you know he has a guide to vampires, a guide to undead. He actually has a guide to the Vistani, which in canon, like in in universe, is written after he and Arturi like link up. Yeah, and like he essentially Arturi's like, look, like don't judge the Vistani by Irene's crazy, like evil actions and sort of like they're able um, to uh, get a more nuanced view on the Vistani people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, 
important to mention that I'm going to call him Doctor Doctor Richten, Doctor Van Richten. He didn't go to all that medical school to be called <laughs> Mister. All right, the doctor. Uh, it's important to note that throughout his entire time, he was writing down in passages and notes on things he was learning about the unnatural and the undead. And, you know, it's, that's another cool element you can add if you're running, you know, whatever edition of Ravenloft campaign, you can always add those little, you know, DM notes in there just for, you know, from Van Richten. Maybe he was in hot pursuit of a vampire and dropped a few notes, you know? That- no, yeah. Yeah. Like you come across like, mm-hmm. you know, um, like a, a crumbling tower where your your the party is able to like you know spend the night to get a long rest and they find like some scattered paperwork and yep and you can give them this information that Van that you know that is you know uh, that is D and D canon um, as an in game uh, text which is like I mean then this is nothing new to Dungeons and Dragons you know we have texts that are written by Volo that are written by Tasha that mm-hmm. are written by Xanathar, all sorts of like in game text Elminster. Uh, but it it never fails to give me like the of, of it all because I just I love that. I love just the world building of it. I love that, you know, that this doesn't just exist um, in, you know, in the book, like, you know, like based on how it's written, like it's written as if like this is like a tome from another world. And I just love that. I love that aspect. Exactly. So let's talk magic items, shall we? Let's get our magical item of the week. So. We're gonna go. We're gonna keep on this uh, vampire or monster hunter kit trip, and uh, I've got something very interesting for you. And this is none from none other than the good doctor himself. So what I have for you is, and and I wrote this in a particular fashion, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Doctor Van Richten's magnificent monocle of magnification. Okay. <laughs> so what this is is a monocle. That looks shaded or um, a fogged glass, tinted glass. When you place it on, if you have an intelligence of 15 or higher, you can utilize this to look for curses and diseases on an individual. Nice. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Now it does have a secondary trope. Okay. If you use this in the mist of Ravenloft, you can see through about 30 feet ahead of you. Okay. So it has a two it's a two-part usage. So but only if your items or only if your intelligence score is 15 or higher. Right, right. I like I like the aspect of the disease or curse because it's sort of in keeping with his mm-hmm. you know medicinal background. And then it has a very uh, like functional uh, use to it beyond that with uh, being able to see through the mist. Ah, I like look, that a lot. I like that's me. very cool. Look at, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> you big galoot. Oh. So, yeah, that's all we have for this week. Sergio. Yes. You want to tell us about some things you're doing? I do. Um, I, I wake up about 7, 7.15. I take my kid to school. Oh, you talk about like other like, <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, no, Sergio wrong. Well, I also have another podcast called fandom university. Uh, we do deep dives, like deep 
sort of um, scholarly looks at different facets of nerddom. Um, yeah, we've done Resident Evil, we've done Aliens, we've done The Eternals. Uh, we started the year off doing Scream. Uh, right now, we're uh, going to. We just did Boba Fett. We're going to do Batman '89, which is where we're talking about the first two Batman movies with you know with Michael Keaton. The Tim Burton Batman movies, and then a comic, uh, comic book series called Batman '89, which acts as a direct sequel to those two movies, rather than like it disregards Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, yeah, and and brings back you know Selena, uh, you know Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle as Catwoman, uh, you know, and continues that storyline pretty much. Um, so we'll be discussing that, and that all leads into the new Batman movie, which dun, dun, dun. my uh, my co-host Sean Hamill, who wrote a cosmology of monsters, available everywhere books are sold now, uh, on several uh, you know year-end best of lists uh, for a, you know a couple years back when it came out. Uh, he's at the movie right now, wait, uh, probably watching it, enjoying it. I said I got to talk about D and D Thursday night, um, but yeah, that's what I got going on. You can find that uh, in the show notes um phantom university just google that you'll be able to find it it's a bunch of fun stuff but if you're if you're into like um like nerdy talk or pe- like people take like nerd stuff seriously and not just be on like oh it's really cool um then you'll definitely it's definitely your bag so i'm gonna do something a little different this week because i always talk about myself okay and i want to use our platform to get people out there into pods that are going to make them happy and warm inside and just bring happiness and pleasure to their day too. Because the happier you get, the stronger you get. Yes. <laughs> Learn that from Care Bears. Learn that from me. Actually. <laughs> I told, I literally just said that, just said that now 20 minutes ago. Uh, so no, I mean, I've got my podcast going on and Your podcast empire, my podcast empire. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, you can, if you're interested, you can check them out in the show notes. All of our shows are linked down there. There's a couple other lore casts. Go check them out. But that's enough about me. I want to talk about two pods uh, that actually mean a lot to me because both of them are really, really, really good friends of mine. So first one we're going to talk about is the Mind Gap pod. You know who they are. Mind Gap pods are great. So if you are looking for a show that you just want to sit back, relax, and it's like a show that you're just laughing with friends, they talk about all kinds of cool nerd topics, the most current events in nerd nerd, you know, nerd history going on right now, and it's just it's just a fun show. It, they're wonderful people. Go check them out. You can get them yeah. wherever you can listen to your podcasts at. It's Mind Gap Pod. Uh, go check them out. They're they're fantastic. We've both guested. They're lovely people. It's uh, uh, imagine like having lunch with a couple of friends and hearing them talk about nerdy stuff and like the you know, except the, the new stuff and just like just like shooting the shit pretty much. Yeah, uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. So that's the first pod I want to talk about. The second pod um, is called First Encounters Podcast. Okay, or the First Encounters Pod. Now these guys they're they're great incredible if you are looking for a podcast where you want to experience <laughs> you guys make fun of me in the chat pod 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 you yeah. just keep saying pod 
if you are looking for a podcast uh, that you want to do kind of like you want to listen to like kind of like a live play. These are the two for you, but they offer a very cool twist on it. Their names are Chris and Haney, and they are playing through their favorite childhood games for the first time with each other. So oh, cool. first season is Haney never played Final Fantasy VII ever. So we get to see that play by play. Or hear it. He, well, we get to hear it, yeah. Play by play, and it's 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 funny, it's great. And if you are just one of those people that are like, I want to see, I want to get that feeling like it was when I played it the first time too, this is a perfect podcast for you. They portray that so lovely. You'll get that same feeling all over again. It's very cool. I like that. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, I'll check it out. It's it's an incredible, credible series. Um, they're fantastic people. I'm in their Discord, talk to them all the time. They're lovely people. So yeah, those are two pods. I and we'll, I we'll cannot link recommend enough. We'll link to both of those podcasts as well in the show notes for this episode. Yes, yes. So with all that being said, Sergio, you've been lovely tonight. You're lovely every <laughs> night. I, oh. <laughs> I mean, I only get to tell you on Thursday, but I think it every night. Oh. Like, I I bet Crit's lovely right now. Oh, you're so amazing. I appreciate you. <laughs> we'll be back next week mm. with, like I said, more Ravenloft talk. And this one, this was going to be a lot of fun because we're going to talk about the Dark Lords. We're going to talk about like other characters that kind of didn't fit into like the first episode, or obviously like not this episode because it's about Van Richten, mm-hmm. and like and won't fit into the final episode, which is Strahd. So the the next one's going to be a lot of fun because we're kind of like get to talk about like all sorts of fun stuff. Yes. So. We'll see you and next. then in, and then in two weeks we got another deep we got critical role what deep adventure yeah what so it's gonna be a it's gonna it's gonna be a fun month y'all so until next week thank you all for listening Tune see you in. next week we love you we love you thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons lorecast if you've enjoyed the show please consider sharing it with a friend following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.